When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Right now, I'm going to go back to 2012, I think it is for this classic interview with WWE Hall of Famer, one of my favorite people in wrestling, superstar Billy Graham. Right here, right now at Wrestle Reunion, Los Angeles, California, I am with WWE Hall of Famer, the superstar Billy Graham. Superstar Billy Graham, this is the second year in a row we've had you at Wrestle Reunion with Scott Epstein from Publicity Management Services, and it's so good to have you here, a rare appearance by the superstar. Thank you, my brother. It's good to be here. Good to be here on the uh, on the radio waves. We on radio satellite. Where are we on here? This brother? is uh, WNJC thirteen sixty Philadelphia, and uh, also streaming on the internet at vocnation.com. Streaming, brother. Streaming. 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 Streaming and screaming, brother. Worldwide. <laughs> worldwide. We're going worldwide. Worldwide. Excellent. 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 Thank you, uh, first of all, uh, for inviting me onto the show. I appreciate I appreciate the invitation. I really do. Now, great to have you. I said it to you yesterday when we had that little skit with Sassy Stephanie. You're one of the most entertaining personalities ever in professional wrestling, so it's an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you. Brother. And certainly, now, I, I said WWE Hall of Fame. But there was uh, something that you did a couple years ago. You actually sold your WWE Hall of Fame ring, right? Yes, yes. Um, several years ago, uh, as a lot of the wrestling fans know, I've had a liver transplant. And uh, I'm on uh, a very expensive medication uh, to prevent a, uh, uh, my body from rejecting uh, the liver. Right. I have a female liver in me, a young girl here in, uh, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And 202 was in a car wreck. She was a donor, and I, I got her liver, uh, which saved my life. And uh, you have to take anti-rejection medications and a lot and, and a lot of medications in the beginning. And uh, so I actually sold my uh, my Hall of Fame induction ring to help uh, pay for these uh, life-saving uh, 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 medications uh, that I'm still taking. And um, that caused a lot of uh, controversy and. Um, uh, uh, and actually, uh, not so much controversy with the fans and uh, those folks, but it, it caused a lot of animosity uh, with Vince McMahon uh, himself. Uh, uh, he didn't quite understand uh, the need uh, for me to sell my uh, Hall of Fame ring, and I didn't want to because I uh, I really appreciated being inducted into the WWE, uh, WWE Hall of Fame. There's sure. no question about it. It was a great honor. And I'm still in the Hall of Fame. Right, <laughs> right. Just because you don't have the ring doesn't mean you're not the ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they haven't erased my name, so. Uh, uh, but uh, I did have to sell uh, uh, my uh, WWE Hall of Fame to to, to, to gain um, uh, uh, medication for my liver transplant, and so it, it was a sacrifice. Uh, it was a material thing. Uh, 
Uh, I regretted doing it, but I had to, to stay alive. Right. You know, that's so, important. Uh, that's important, yeah. I had to stay alive so I could do this interview. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the way, Philadelphia, um, I will say that uh, Philadelphia is one of my all-time favorite wrestling uh, cities. Um, of course, going back to wrestling in the spectrum. And, um, the old spectrum. They just knocked that down, Bill. They leveled it, yeah. Uh, they, they, they leveled the spectrum, and... Um, I remember uh, uh, especially um, uh, my uh, uh, my uh, cage match uh, in the Spectrum with um, against Bruno San Martino, and um, uh, we uh, had a cage match, and uh, it was um, on a Friday night. And the following Monday, I uh, dropped the uh, uh, Worldwide Wrestling Federation belt to Bob Backman. But on this night in the Spectrum. Uh, it was sold out, and uh, about 5 o'clock, the local news came on and, and made a local news broadcast to the uh, local community and surrounding suburbs of Philadelphia to, to the uh, general public to not go to the spectrum because it was completely sold out, and they had like five to 10,000 people trying to get in wow. to see this cage match between Bruno and I. And uh, so that set the all-time attendance record. Uh, for the spectrum, for any event ever held in the spectrum, and so uh, Philadelphia has always had a special place uh, uh, for me. Uh, and the, the fans were just, uh, just just fantastic, and especially that night against Bruno in a cage uh, with that huge, huge crowd and uh, turning away thousands of people was very, 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 very cool. Well, wrestling was such a spectacle back then. I mean, you guys. Uh, it wasn't the the story. It wasn't the uh, the theater that it that it is today. It was uh, you know, kayfabe was alive. People people really believed what they were seeing, and it was an event. It was an event. You and Bruno. That it was uh, you know quite similar to like a boxing match or an MMA match today. Yes, uh, there's no question about it. Of course, uh, Bruno San Martino being legitimately the living legend. Yep. If there was ever a, a catchphrase uh, uh, to go with your name that fit someone, that fit Bruno, uh, uh, he was literally, uh, and still is, uh, of course, idolized uh, uh, at the time uh, uh, by uh, 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 you know hundreds of thousands of, of fans, and uh, uh, rightfully so. And... Um, uh, it, it was a different. It was a different feel. Uh, there was no question about it. Uh, there was such. Um, there was such intensity. I think would be the word uh, to use uh, in that in that era, right? Uh, uh, compared to the era that we're in now, the the era we're in now it seems to be there's a lot of uh, uh, the wrestling fans of the general public. There seems to be a lot of. Uh, laughter to it and, and showmanship and, and showmanship and, and and the fans and the general public not taking it as serious as they took a Bruno San Martino when Bruno San Martino came to your city uh, you set up and took notice yeah and uh, uh, and so uh, there has been something lost uh, they, they've lost they've lost the intensity uh, through the years. Um, Events of um, um, uh, uh, altering, altering the uh, spectacle of professional wrestling, and and basically, uh, I think, kind of degrading uh, the the uh, spectacle of professional wrestling, and definitely losing the 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 um, 
the 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 uh, intensity of the matches and the crowd interaction with the wrestlers was um, uh, was something special that's uh, that's definitely been lost. Well, Vince doesn't even like to use the term wrestling anymore. He, he likes sports entertainment. And when you guys were in the ring, you would tell a story, and it was like two guys legitimately didn't like each other and would go into the ring to settle a score. Now that magic is lost. That, that You don't have that feel that, that the two guys legitimately hate each other. Yes, there's no question about it. The, uh, the, 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 fans, the fans paid to see revenge. They paid to see Bruno San Martino win, and they paid to see his opponent lose and they believed in it with their heart and soul I had never seen even to this day uh, and including Hulk Hogan I had never seen wrestling fans so um, a, um, uh, admiring a, a wrestler as Bruno San Martino was literally worshipped uh, by his fans and I've uh, to this day including Hulk Hogan uh, at his prime, at his top, uh, I've never seen uh, such a loyalty to a to a wrestler as as there was uh, to uh, Bruno San Martino. Now you mentioned Hulk Hogan. You were an inspiration to a lot of the top top performers in the business. Scott Steiner. I saw you take a picture with him. He he, he borrowed your look. Hulk yes. Hogan. The same thing with the multicolored beards. Jesse Ventura, Dusty Rhodes, and yourself had a lot of similarities. Those guys all, I can paint a line to those guys in Superstar Billy Graham as far as, you know, being good on the microphone, that look, that style. But who inspired you? Oh, uh, I, I uh, personally, uh, when I started wrestling, um, uh, I, was, I had always been a fan of Muhammad Ali. Okay. And uh, remain a, a, a fan. Uh, uh, he just celebrated his 70th birthday, uh, as a lot of us know. Uh, and is afflicted with Parkinson's disease, uh, uh, but uh, I was, uh, had been a major fan of Muhammad Ali and, and, and followed him very closely because I, I felt that he was the ultimate entertainer. Right. Uh, of course, a legitimate uh, world champion boxer, but uh, he added such a entertainment ingredient to the spectacle that he just captured your imagination and 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 I was um, a, a huge fan of Ali and used him to inspire me in my wrestling profession, my career. Uh, I copied Ali, uh, his uh, rhymes and all of his little poems, and I just altered them to fit wrestling instead of boxing. And so my inspiration. Uh, was Muhammad Ali. Now, was all that stuff off the cuff? When you went in there and you said, the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour, did you think about that on the flyer, or would you sit there and oh, write that oh, stuff oh, yeah. out? I, I, would think, I, would, I would think about it. I, I, Ali had cut a, uh, uh, an old 78, uh, one of those big, the big, the big, the big, uh, uh, the, the big albums and of, of rhymes. And I memorized every rhyme he had ever uh, he had ever cut, and um, and so I would uh, uh, use these lines and I would alter them to fit pro wrestling, and then I would add to the rhymes and think uh, of what would uh, basically uh, uh, make it a little more maybe a little more colorful, but definitely to fit um, uh, the wrestling scene as opposed to the boxing scene. But Ali. Um, 
uh, was was my pure and uh, and sole uh, only uh, inspiration, uh, and I took all of my stuff uh, uh, from Ali. Uh, of course, you had to have talent to pull off what you took from the man, <laughs> <laughs> but but he was my uh, my inspiration, and uh, uh, he was I believe the ultimate entertainer. Uh, in professional sports, uh, no question about it. Now, a lot of your health problems were either directly or indirectly attributed to your involvement in professional wrestling. And in the 1990s, you were very outspoken against Vince McMahon and the WWE for some of the things that happened during the 70s and 80s. Have you patched things up with Vince? Are you guys on good terms today? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, well, Vince and I, uh, uh, we really had a, have had a uh, love-hate relationship uh, for some reason, um, um, uh, the the final blow, of course, uh, came when I sold my Hall of Fame ring. Yeah. Uh, he, he he couldn't he couldn't quite accept uh, my reasoning, which was life and death for medication. I thought that was very easy to understand uh, my plight to stay alive and needing money for medication. But Vince um, had a major problem with me selling uh, the Hall of Fame ring, uh, and that kind of finally uh, put the nail in the coffin of our uh, relationship. And um, uh, like I said, it was a love-hate kind of relationship for years and years prior to that, but that was the final blow uh, was selling the uh, Hall of Fame uh, Hall of Fame ring. And uh, he just couldn't accept uh, that I would do that. And it was absolutely no respect to the ring or the Hall of Fame. It was a matter of survival for medication. Right, so. right. No, that's, that's fair enough. Now, you've had so many different uh, kind of iterations of your character over the years. You obviously have a very colorful character in the 70s and the early 80s. And then you went to the NWA and you became a karate fighter for a little mm -hmm. while. <laughs> that had to be a little different. Yeah, that, uh, and I also took the karate gimmick, that look. Uh, into the uh, back to the uh, WWF okay. uh, uh, for a, for a season, and I and I did that out of um, actually I did that um, I changed my my look from the bleached blonde and the tie dye to the uh, uh, black karate uh, look with a black mustache out of despondency. Uh, for being stripped of my title, I felt uh, unjustly. Um, it was kind of a rebellion uh, when Bob Backlund was uh, given given the uh, the belt uh, from me. Uh, that it was so uh, it, it affected. It really affected me. Uh, even though, of course, uh, it, it's a total work and uh, predetermined, and uh, I knew it was coming. Um, but it, it was such. Um, to, to, to actually see a, a young man, uh, Bob Acklin, receive such an important belt without having the experience and the charisma to follow Superstar Billy Graham and Bruno San Martino, and, and uh, it, it was very, uh, it was it was an outward, it was an outward um, uh, appearance of an inward darkness that I felt. I felt a very foreboding attitude uh, when I had to give up the belt to uh, Backlund. Nothing against Backlund personally, it was just his lack of charisma that I felt it was totally unjust to give such an important title to a young man who had absolutely no charisma whatsoever. When he kept that title for so long and, and, and didn't really draw that well, right? 
And he, then, he kept that title for almost seven years, six full years. And Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon Sr. had to uh, load the cards. I just see two friends from the Netherlands walk by that I emailed back and forth. Can you imagine that? Two guys came all the way from the Netherlands. These conventions bring out yeah. yeah, Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And um, uh, I... I uh, uh, I'm sorry, I lost, I lost track of something. Your friends, but it was the question was. Oh, Backlund, uh, Backlund, back back yeah, six uh, years. Uh, six years, and and Vince uh, uh, McMahon Senior was so stubborn, he knew he had made a mistake by putting the belt on Backlund, and he had to load the cards to draw crowds, and and. Um, uh, I felt it was very, very unjust and um, uh, 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 having to load these cards up to draw a house because your champion couldn't draw on his own. And um, Vince McMahon Sr. actually came to Dusty Rhodes and I personally. Uh, uh, Dusty and I were on a card supporting Backlund. Uh, uh, in Madison Square Garden, and Vince McMahon Sr., it's a true story now, folks, okay. came to Dusty Rhodes and myself and said, is there any way you two guys can talk to Bob Backlund and help get him some charisma? <laughs> that is the truth, uh, wrestling fans. That was a direct question from Vince Sr. to Dusty Rhodes and myself asking if we could help Bob Backlund get charisma. And I said, well, why don't you just get rid of Bob Backlund and put the belt back on me? And you won't have to worry about teaching charisma, which is impossible to do, to Bob Backlund. I told Vince McMahon Sr. that you had made a horrible mistake uh, by choosing Backlund uh, to become your champion when you had people like myself and Dusty Rhodes uh, with so much charisma uh, that um, we were drawing and turning away people, and then you have a young man come in who was just flat, yeah. just flat. And, I mean, can you imagine the promoter asking you, is there any way you can help my champion get charisma? That's, that's it, that it factor. You either have it or you don't. You either have it or you don't. And, um, uh, and, and we said, no, we cannot help him get charisma because he's beyond the point of no return. <laughs> and we, of course, didn't, I didn't even attempt, and uh, I never had a conversation with Backlund. And Dusty Rhodes said, are you kidding me, uh, Vince? I'm not going to try to tell this guy how to uh, get charisma. Uh, it's just like you just said. You either have it or you don't. You can refine your presentation uh, when you're charismatic and, and sharpen your game, of course. But if you don't have anything to start with, it's a, it's a lost cause. Yeah, the, you can't build on nothing. You can't build on nothing. Right, so you went through the uh, the black period, then you came back to the tie-dye. You managed Don Morocco. You had that uh, that famous incident with Greg the Hammer Valentine. I guess Greg was in the ring with Ricky Ataki, and you came in, made the save, and uh, Greg put you out of commission. And uh, you did some announcing work after that, kind yes. of faded away. And, uh, and that was kind of your exit to the business in the late 80s, right? 1988, Yeah, that's 89. exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, I had, I, had, I had already had a hip replacement in 1987, uh, and Vince um, uh, felt that, uh, uh, and I also felt that actually my physically wrestling ability was gone uh, because um, 
uh, of the hip replacement and my lack of mobility mm-hmm. and my ankles had had started crumbling uh, and my lower back had collapsed from the overuse, uh, prolonged use and heavy doses of, of anabolic steroids uh, that cut off the blood supply to the joints and caused your bones to die. And so um, I had no business in the ring, um, uh, but I, uh, I made a, uh, uh, an ill-fated uh, uh, comeback uh, and um, uh, was unable to perform up to standards. And Vince Jr. thought I would be a good manager uh, for Don Morocco because I could still cut a promo and talk. Sure. Uh, and um, I actually did that, uh, did that for a season. And then uh, it actually became too difficult to, to literally travel uh, with all the pain that I was in. Uh, and so uh, we finally had that match with uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine in Oakland, California, and um, uh, put, a, put his famous uh, uh, figure four uh, toehold uh, on me. And uh, I basically tapped out before tapping out came into existence. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, they had to, they took me out on a stretcher. And um, uh, it was really, um, looking back, it was a, a really a sad way to uh, end my career. It's too bad I didn't have the presence of mind to just stop and not even come back. Right. Uh, but um, I really honestly had to save my money. and I really wanted some more paydays. Yeah. And the pay scale had started going up, and I wanted to take advantage of it. But it was very ill-fated and a very uh, unwise decision. And so that's uh, uh, how I made my exit uh, from uh, selling on Madison Square Garden. And a very interesting statistic I'll throw in real quickly about uh, Madison Square Garden uh, and sellouts. I I have the record for the highest percentage of sellouts in Madison Square Garden. I don't have the record for as many sellouts because, of course, Bruno San Martino uh, having being champion for so many years, and of course Bob Backlund um, have more sellouts than me. But I had 20 out of 21 main event sellouts in Madison Square Garden, which set the all-time highest percentage of sellouts in Madison Square Garden. And and oddly, ironically, the only one that did not sell out was against the high chief beater, my Eva. <laughs> And we, we, uh, the, the upper, uh, the main building held about 22,000 people in the main auditorium of the garden. And we, we had about uh, 21,000 folks. We were about 1,000 folks short of a sellout. And Vince Sr. told me that he projected it would not sell out because nobody believed that a high chief from Samoa would be the next WWF champion. Huh. And that was the reason it would not sell out. But we came, we still came within a thousand people of selling it out, uh, even with the, that mindset that Vince felt. And it was basically true that I don't believe the fans thought that they were going to see a Samoan chief become the new champion. But yet there was still so much um, excitement involved and um, uh, charisma involved. And I had never worked so hard in all my life to put a match over as I did against uh, Peter, uh, who, um, of course, was one of my mentors in San Francisco in 1972 when I was tag team uh, partners and champions with Pat Patterson. 
the high chief, uh, before he became the high chief, uh, was one of our opponents, and, and he would always take me aside and, and, and walk through the match and show me things that I'd done wrong. And so it was a great honor to wrestle uh, Peter, uh, my via my, uh, in Madison Square Garden as a main event, and I did everything in my power to guarantee a sellout uh, with him, and we came a thousand folks short uh, for the very reason that uh, the Vince felt that the people didn't believe uh, they would actually see a Samoan chief become the new champion. Maybe he shouldn't have booked him in the main event? Well, he shouldn't have booked him in the main event, but we still drew 21,000 people. Right. <laughs> and there were other main events that uh, had been booked that uh, had drawn only 15,000 people, uh, including uh, Bruno San Martino as the champion So, um, in past years. And so uh, we still drew 21,000 people with them knowing he's not going to win. So uh, that was quite amazing. Well, Billy, today it is a show, it is a spectacle, it is entertainment. And I guess one of the biggest complaints that I hear when I talk to the, the, uh, the older generation of professional wrestlers is a lot of the guys today, they all look the same. They all look, they all have that 220-pound chiseled body frame with long hair. Everybody looks the same as opposed to when you were wrestling. Everybody was different shapes, different sizes, different characters. It, does that hurt the business today? Is that why professional wrestling is not in, let's say, a golden period right now? I think... Um Something has been lost. Uh, now I just recently um, I, I, I never I never watch uh, I never watch it anymore because uh, once you've uh, been champion and you've seen it, you once I've seen it all, there's nothing left to see. Yeah. And once you've heard all, there's nothing left to hear. That's basically a Bob Dylan line. I'm a big 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 Bob Dylan fan, and that's a couple that's a couple lines out of one of his songs. Uh, I, I've seen it also. There's nothing left to see. And I've heard also nothing left to hear. And so basically the fans have seen everything there is to see. And the new generation really, um, uh, with all of the uh, script writing, uh, with all the writers um, uh, writing your promos for you, that uh, leaves very, very little uh, chance for the uh, participant to be an original to have and participate and give an original thought into a promo because it's already been written out by a team of writers. Right. Not even necessarily wrestling fans oh, as no. writers. No, of course not. No, no, no. Just writers, professional writers. Right. And so the the product, uh, uh, I, I did watch it about a month ago uh, in Phoenix. I live in Phoenix, so I was born and raised there. And I did watch a whole segment of Raw one night, just to, from start to finish, just to see what the product really looked like. And I just found it so so boring and just so uh, so scripted. And, and 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 now the problem is now the problem is you've lost Shawn Michaels, and of course it started with the loss of Eddie Guerrero, dear Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And now Shawn Michaels is retired. And now. Uh, uh, the, the, we're, we're, we're losing the the, the real legends. Uh, I guarantee you, uh, when the um, Undertaker uh, defeats uh, Triple H at this coming WrestleMania, that'll be the Undertaker's 20th straight uh, WrestleMania win, I believe. Yeah. And uh, that'll be his last match. And the Undertaker will be gone. Shawn Michaels is gone. Triple H is basically not wrestling. And there is no talent. There is no talent equivalent to the talent that was there in years gone by, real, real, real talent. And the younger generation uh, that is taking over and stepping up 
and basically no fault of their own. Uh, they just don't have the talent that uh, a Shawn Michaels or an Undertaker, uh, who really is my all-time favorite uh, uh, performer. I was mesmerized uh, by The Undertaker when he first came on the scene, and then, uh, of course, uh, Triple H and, and folks like that. Uh, uh, these guys are gone now, yeah. and, and, and you just can't replace these people. And so there's a dilemma. There's a real problem of talent. Um, uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, these younger kids are working as hard as they can. I, I, I watch them wrestle, uh, and, and they're trying the best, the best they can. But uh, you, you just there's something missing. There's something there's something missing in the product today. That um, uh, it seems like the real charisma, the charismatic uh, ingredient is is missing, and especially with the. Um, the, the the monologues of the interviews that they they're forced to do uh, with the writers and everything uh, it, it's really been um, I think the glory the glory days are gone forever. So. Talk, talking to Jimmy Hart and Jimmy did some work with the WWE back at SummerSlam and he did a little promo backstage with our troop and he said it was the first time that he'd done some things with the WWE in a long time and he said it was just so different because Jimmy Hart could take an idea spit it out on the camera and really make it make the fans feel it and this was the first time that he ever had to deal with a writer handing him a script he had to read it seven or eight times and then speak to it on the camera and it's just so much different and that's why in my opinion and maybe it doesn't even matter what my opinion is because they still make a billion dollars a year but that's why the product is missed there's just not that special feeling anymore when you when you go into a wrestlemania yes there's not that there's not that um uh, there's not that anticipation yeah. of, 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 of a WrestleMania, uh, and and um, uh, I'll never forget that uh, uh, in '84, uh, after I was inducted into, uh, I'm sorry, '204, after I was inducted to the Hall of Fame, um, uh, uh, they gave me uh, Vince gave me a, a week run around the territory just to go out and be introduced and um, uh, to go uh, on the road. Uh, and uh, uh, in the Northeast, when all the towns uh, the, were booked around uh, the Northeast that particular week, yeah. and uh, in the garden, and um, uh, uh, it was it was amazing to see the um, the, the lack of um, uh, the, the the lack of spontaneity and the lack of charisma, and and I'll never forget Randy Orton actually came up to me and and asked me in one of these towns. Um, uh, superstar, uh, you, you've been watching all this. What do I do? Do you have any suggestions for me, uh, Randy Orton? And uh, I said, Yeah, you need to be a heel for one thing because you you have a, a natural arrogance about you. Right. Uh, you know, you're a nice guy, <laughs> but you you're, you have a natural arrogance about you that should be utilized. And um, uh, it, it just seems that. Um, uh, that it, it's been lost, the spontaneity, and the and 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 I, and I had to do uh, I had to do an interview during that week 
And I'll never forget, it was so funny because Stephanie uh, McMahon was still involved at the time, and she came over to the table in the catering room and sat down next to me uh, with, the, with, the, uh, with the writer's script. And she, she started laughing, and she's now a superstar. And I really, I really have, was very fond of Stephanie. Um, uh, we, we, got along, uh, we got along great. I was very fond of Stephanie. And she started laughing, and she says, I know this is very strange for you to be, to be uh, handed a, a script, uh, but, but this is what we, we would really like you to, to say. This is the... I said, well, that's fine. I said, let me look at this thing. I've never really had a script before, but I'm sure I can adapt to it. I, of course, I took it all in a, in a good spirit. I wasn't going to rebel. Uh, and, um, and so I, I, I said, this is a, a pretty good storyline here uh, for this interview. And uh, it was a, a, an interview about Randy Orton. And, uh, and I said, this is, a, this, is, this is a pretty good thoughts here. I said, uh, I, I can pull this off. I, I don't think it'll be word for word, but I can get uh, uh, what you want off and uh, uh, pull it off. And uh, I think it's going to work. And so... Um, uh, we uh, it, it was it was the first time I had any uh, girls involved in the interview. It was Candace Michelle had just come on the stage, and and and, and Stacey Keebler. Uh, and so I was a sandwich in between yeah. those two girls. And Not I, a bad I, place to be. Yeah, yes, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> and I said, well, this isn't a bad idea after all. Uh, this uh, this script stuff, but but of course I. Uh, uh, I, I I'm just watching uh, this young lady walk by. Um, Tammy, uh, Tammy uh, uh, sit, uh, just distracting me. <laughs> the original, Obviously. the original, the original diva. Yeah, there was no diva. There was uh, such a sweet lady, such a sweet lady, uh, and uh, my, I, uh, she made me uh, cause me uh, to lose a train of thought because she. <laughs> A scantily dressed. I was going to say, must yeah, be that shirt. It's a shirt. It's a, it's a shirt that's unbuttoned down to her belly button, <laughs> and uh, so I got distracted. But nevertheless, uh, uh, I did do the interview and had fun, um, and uh, and uh, had fun doing the interview and adapted, uh, used a little of my own uh, addition to the uh, interview that was written and scripted for me, and um, uh, and so. Um, uh, we pulled it off, and uh, uh, of course, uh, I, I did not rebel and say I refused absolutely not to use this uh, uh, scripted interview. I just, uh, I just adapted a little bit, and and it worked out fine. But th- that's a real problem when you when you have to uh, strangle your talent and and don't give them freedom to even think for themselves, right? You know, and 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 have free scripts uh, written for them. I think it's, it uh, it stifles their. Uh, what uh, natural ability they might have uh, to uh, to be a, uh, bring out their own charisma because um, uh, you have to study and remember these uh, these lines. You have to memorize lines, and and it takes it's, it's, it's a bizarre thing, really. And um, uh, I remember you remember the the guy named Heidenreich. Uh, Heidenreich, yeah. yeah. Heidenreich, yeah, yeah. In Phoenix, they they had a show in Phoenix, and and. And um, I went down to, uh, to see the boys and uh, see the show, and, and I remember uh, I had had that hide rack, and he was over in the corner, he was reading his script, and 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 uh, he was trying to study, memorize his script, and he kept looking over at me, and he wanted to meet me, because we had never met before, and uh, and and he, and he and he kept looking back down the script, and then looking over at me, and looking at the script, 
And so finally, the students kept down and got up and came over and sat up next to me and said, I got to meet you, superstar. My, my name is Heidenreich. Uh, and I said, man, it's, a, it's great meeting you. He said, he's not got to memorize this damn script here, brother. <laughs> he's not got to go back over here in the corner and memorize this thing. I said, it's better you than me, brother, because I couldn't memorize it. And so that, that was very bizarre that... Uh, uh, and, and he was very frustrated, uh, really, to, to be honest about it. Uh, uh, he was deep in thought and concentration, and um, it was a very bizarre, uh, uh, bizarre feeling to see a man uh, trying to memorize a script and being frustrated. And um, uh, but he had to, and so uh, uh, he apologized for. Um, for cutting our uh, quick uh, introduction visit short. So that kind of sums it up, I guess. <laughs> Superstar Billy Graham, the man of the hour, the man with the power, too sweet to be sour. <laughs> I want to thank you. You know, we've had we've had Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and Jake Roberts. We've had so many great superstars in professional wrestling on this show. But right here, right now, right here today, this is kind of my favorite interview of oh. all time, Superstar <laughs> Billy Graham. Thank you. Uh, true inspiration to what I do. And uh, you're just well, thank you. And by the way, I've heard nothing but uh, uh, tremendous feedback from from uh, uh, my agent uh, Scott Epstein and and other people about your show. And uh, uh, I'm proud to be on your show, and I appreciate the invitation and uh, uh, and uh, and uh, of uh, the success of your show. And uh, and of all the fans out there, I'd like to say a big hello and. Uh, uh, keep on enjoying uh, uh, pro wrestling, enjoying this show, and support this show. And uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate uh, being on and the invitation to be on. We appreciate it, Billy Graham in the VOC Wrestling Nation worldwide. Joey Styles, what's going on, Joey? You know, for somebody who makes his living on radio, you, you have a hard time stringing together words. You all right? I was trying to make a point. I'm using football as a soliloquy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really have a way with words. That way that you want to call in last week if you weren't here. So. And the very first person that was ever in the ring was an amateur. It's Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman was not an NCAA team. <laughs> oh, my God. I am heartbroken. <laughs> I am. I don't know why you're laughing. Albert, you're a freeloader. It is. It's buzz around the world. Twitter blew up. Facebook blew up. It's the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. What's going on, Jimmy? Well, you never know. Telephone, telegraph, and tell the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. We're full of all kind of surprises. This is the Honky Tonk Man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time in the WWE. And you're listening to VOC Nation. You know why you don't want me on your radio show? Because you know the radios will go through the roof. You make a lot of money. And that way, you keep me off. That way, you will stay always broken. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room. Every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fist, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. 
plus. I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, pregnant. I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... Well, what's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Here are exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Still after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it, it was uh, uh, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, vocnation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.